Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. Yeah, Lord, thank you that you are a Lord who, who is everywhere, who has always been everywhere, a God that that not only just looks after your people, but wants your people to be prosperous, Lord. And thank you that you are the one who, who walks with us every step of the day, Lord, and that we can lay down our hearts and our desires at your feet, Lord, and that you send us to church, Lord, to hear your voice, whether it be through any person standing here or people leading worship, Lord, we're here to hear your voice. That's the only reason, Lord, and we thank you for that. Amen. So last week we kicked off the sermon series of the, the spiritual world and Brown led us into the, the first, if I, I want to say episode, it feels like a series so you watch on Netflix. Um, you see what I mean with jokes? Yes, like bum we look. Um, now, uh, Brown helped us through the first episode or the first sermon and today I'm just taking, taking over from Brown and just taking the, the baton into the, sec, the second sermon. Next week I will do the third one and then Brown will round off again the, the fourth sermon on the week of Encounter 4. So this is an intentional sermon series working towards Encounter 4. We're all three aligned of exactly what, what we felt God wants us to, to teach and to bring in this time. And therefore it's, it's a privilege but also I'm quite excited to share what, what God has, has given us for, for these four weeks Yana, I'm going to count on you to help me on, this, on the slides there because I can't read from here anymore, so I'm going to read from there. But if I tonight share everything on this topic, on the spiritual world, I think we're going to, be, we're going to miss lockdown at 11, definitely, the curfew, and then we're just going to keep on until probably next week this time because that's, that's how, how thick this topic is. Can talk. That's how full the Bible is of, of the spiritual world or the spiritual realm. And, that, and we can go on forever. So what I decided to do to prevent that from happening is to say, this is the structure for tonight. That's all we're going to do. We're going to do, look at uh, Revelation 12, Ephesians 6, and Matthew 12. Is it Matthew, Mark, Matthew? Yeah, Matthew 12. And then we're going to draw all those three into one specific truth. And the reason we do that is we don't want to run the risk of being by a, a badly quoted verse. So we say, let's go look at three different passages from Scripture, and we bring all three of those into one specific truth. And if all of them, we say, we trust this truth. And we know it's not because of bad interpretation of the person standing in front or me hearing something incorrectly. We draw all these three together and we say, truth we want. So I'm immediately going to rush into Revelation 12. The oh, before we get there, before we get there. Quickly answer, chat to the person next to you. All of us find ourselves in one of these questions. If it's a little too small, I'll read it for you as well. But which one of the, these five resonates with you the most at this point to the spiritual world? Does the spiritual world really exist, or is it what I can, or is what I can see all there is? The second one is, why did some people get the gift to a spiritual world and others didn't? Can I ignore the spiritual world in order for it to ignore me? I really want to know more about the spiritual world. I don't know where to begin. And then lastly, I left the act there because that's me. That's literally me 10 years ago. I think I need to know more about um, the spiritual world, but I'm too scared to start. And I can honestly say that was me for, for much of my life. I know this thing exists, but yes, 
I'm, I'm too scared to rather frustrate it and put my head in the ground and, and just hope it, it doesn't exist. Quickly chat to the person next to you. Which, which one of those five statements best describes you? Maybe map on point or maybe just more or less? Quickly chat to the person next to you and then, then we can take it further. Cool, I'm just gonna, gonna park us there. So the good thing tonight is that we're not addressing either one of those five questions, and we're not addressing all five questions either. What we're going to do is we're going to look at those first three scriptures I, I, I mentioned, and we're going to run through them and break them down as well as we possibly can, and all of that will, in itself, reveal to our hearts, it doesn't matter which one we're related to the most, it will reveal that truth to us automatically. So I'm not going to say at the end of the night, so question one is answered by, question two, you do this, and question three, sorry for you guys, but we're not going to do that at all. Because I trust for God to whoever needs an answer on any one of those five questions, that God will come through tonight, through, through what we're going to, to be reading. So I'm going to start in Revelation 12, but I need your, your blessing on this at first. Revelation 12, what I actually want to read is really long. So I just... Took a couple of verses in the beginning, a couple in the middle, a couple in the end. With a disclaimer, I'm going to tell you this, and please read it at, at your own leisure time at home as well. Um, but with your blessing, I'm going to just skip a couple of verses here in the middle. Is that fine? Cool. I don't know what I would have done if you said no. So, Revelation 12. A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of twelve stars on her head. And then, and that woman which appeared is us. That is, that is God's people. That is the, the chosen people of God. So when we read through the rest of the passage of the woman, that is all of us sitting here. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its heads. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that, was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth, and his angels with him. Now it's important to note here that in Genesis 3 we read that, and the devil tempted the woman. But here's the first place we read where we hear that, and Satan was cast down to earth. This is where he was cast down to earth. This is where he was unleashed onto earth and when he, his, his angels were sent with him. And this is a, a very, very important, but also, um, also a scary truth for us to know that God sent him down because he does not want him to be in heaven. Not, not for now and not for eternity, never ever. So let's go on. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now I've come the salvation on now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of the Messiah for the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. So that's just basically saying the devil is out of heaven. They triumphed over him 
by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore, rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to those on earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury, because he knows that his time is short. When the dragon saw that he had been hurled to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring, those who keep God's commandments and hold fast their testimony about Jesus. This is not, I I remember way back when Varys first asked me to, to do a sermon, I said, that is, as long as I never have to preach about revelation, like then I'm, then I'm fine, and then look where we are now. Um, and this is, this is because it's, it's, it's these scary truths, the things that is like, it doesn't really make sense, or unfortunately this one does make sense, and it is a scary sense. And maybe we don't want to confront it, especially this last, the last sentence. Um, and he went off to wage war against the rest of our offspring, against us. Those who keep God's commandments and hold fast their testimony about Jesus. So this whole chapter tells us that the devil was cast out of heaven and his sole priority from there on has been to cause war against everyone who loves God. 100% everyone. And that is, that is all of us. And that's, that's such a scary thought to hear. And I just realized in that moment, as, as God breaks this revelation up, he says, that is the truth. And you cannot, you cannot, you cannot see it any other way. If you are on earth and you say, I love God, then the devil is on your, on your tail and he's going to wage war against you. And I couldn't help but think in this moment, yo, if I'm following God, don't I then, and I know then the devil is following me, isn't it safer for me to, well, just not follow God? That's probably, that's probably the easiest way to think about it. And I had to let my head down in shame and apologize to God and say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that that thought even crosses my mind. Because the truth is, there's one of two places for us to be. We're either following God, and then the devil is waging war against us, or we're following the devil. There's no in-between. There's nothing else. Either we're controlled by God, or we're controlled by the devil. No no, no in-between. Unfortunately, that is the truth for us. And we'll get to the next, the next section just now. So let me, let me put it this way. Um, Revelation, on, I'll give you a little example. Nine years old, I'm the oldest of four boys, and we always used to play ball and play whatever we can. Like, and in the backyard, we'll lose a ball over the fence or whatever the case may be. And I remember the one day my dad brought home a boomerang. And I know Boomerang very well because I've watched Crocodile Dundee. And I thought, like, this thing is the legit. You throw it, it comes back, you look flipping cool, you put it out your left hand, and you snatch it, and then it's just the coolest thing ever. So it, it was a green boomerang. I threw it, and it went over the wall and fell in the neighbor's yard, and then it never came back. I was like, yes, this boomerang's broken. <laughs> this thing is stupid. And I was Disappointed, like and someone lied to me that the boomerang works like that. So I went out the front door, walked around, eventually getting to to the house where I believe the boomerang was, and there was this big dog. I put up the scary dog photo. There was this big dog, but I'm not. My wife said I'm not allowed to use that one, so go to the next one. So I put. There was this big. Remember the previous one? That's that's an actual big dog. This is just so people don't get scared. So there was this big dog lying in front of the garage. 
And I also remember something else someone said, he's more scared of you than you are of him. Don't worry. Just ignore it and it will ignore you. So I decided, well, I'm going to the I'm going to the front gate. I'm not going to the garage. Someone else lied to me that day as well. Did not ignore me. And that dog chased me down. I still have the, the scar left calf where that dog just had a feast on me, literally. Um, and it was just blood everywhere. And I was crying and I ran back into the house. And my parents were furious. And said, me, what are you doing outside the house? Then at the dog, why is he biting you? And then I don't know why the dog is biting me because I ignored him and he didn't ignore me. And it's just a big mess up. Like, no one knew what was happening. I hear people laughing behind their masks. This is brilliant. And then two months ago, or a month and a half ago, I forgot about that, by the way. I forgot about that. No one checks of their calves every now and again. It just doesn't work like that. And then a month and a half ago, we visit friends. I have a two-year-old at home. Um, that's him. Two-year-old at home. And we visit these people, and they have a, a big gym, a Belgian Malinois playing there with a the bowl, and me and my wife and him. And at one stage, he decides, no, he's, he doesn't feel like standing outside anymore. He's going to go in. He turns his back and he walks in, and, and that's when that dog decides, maybe, and he chases after him, bites him on the back, tosses him to the ground, comes in for a second time, and excuse, bites him again. baby who did nothing was vulnerable in that moment and turned around and walked away but in that moment I realized that's nothing compared to what David is doing to us we can't ignore him and walk away and think he's going to ignore us in the process I promise you now ignore the devil and it will be the end of your life spiritual life he is there whether we like him or not and when we turn around and ignore him and think we're going to just head the other way, it's then when he bounces, like a dog on an innocent baby. And it's then when he comes back as well and ruins lives forever. And I, re I realized that, I remember that night sitting, thinking that what happened today broke my heart. But something much worse than this happens every single day. That's when people turn away from the devil thinking that he doesn't exist, or if I leave him alone, he'll leave me alone, which is not the truth. And my heart breaks seeing that. Because if we don't put that armor on, and we say, God, I believe in you, and I believe in this devil as well, and therefore, because I believe in you and I trust in you, I'm going to cause war against him, in my name, as well as in the name of my family and my friends, and those who I really love, and those I don't even love, who I work for or I see every day, even for those people, I will cast war against the devil because he will rule us, and I've seen that time and time again. Matthew 12 says, Whoever is not with me against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Straightforward. God says, you're either with me or against me. No in between. And the good thing is, it's easy to understand. The difficult thing is, it's a little bit more difficult to do. He does not say, I'm, I'm glad that you, you gave your marriage to me. I'm glad that you gave your finances to me. 
I'm glad that you gave your commitment. It worked to me. Five kicks when I when I swear a bit, Lord, that one I'm going to leave to the side, but I'm going to give the rest to you again. It doesn't work like that. God says, you're either worth me 100% for me or against me. And that is what ties into Revelation 12 when it says, I'm either in war against the devil or I'm in war for the devil. And that's a truth which we need to make our own then ask ourselves, on which, on which side of the fence do we sit? Or which side of that war? Because that war is there. It's like a, if you have a sports match, if, if the spiritual world was a sports match, there would be two teams, one very just referee and no spectators. You'll be on either team, either God's team or the devil's team because there's no spectators in the spiritual world. And it's our decision which team we are on. And sometimes we make that decision before we even think by doing the following. Sure, I do not, I do not like what I'm seeing, so I'm going to ignore it. And that's a passive decision. Also saying that, God, I'm ignoring the part which you want me to sort out. And that, that is just as scary. So Hannah introduced me as a, a survivor person and I get so many survivor questions that I thought I'll, I have to give one survivor example as well. So what you don't see on television and they tell you behind the scenes is in that final tribal council where you need to vote for someone, they tell you very, very clearly. They say, it says, Vian, Vian, if you vote, we need to be able to see on your vote who won. We don't want any nicknames or funny stuff. 100%. Are you convinced? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. Do you know who you're going to vote? Yes. Like, do you know exactly who you're going to vote for? It's like, yes. And then about the fourth time you think, does this person think I'm mentally retarded or something? Because you asked me four times now. It's like, okay, no shop. But the truth is, it's actually a very good thing to do because you can't write person X 80% and person Y 20%. So he gets 20% of my vote because I remember he did something well way back on day 17, but the other person actually deserves 80% of my vote. It doesn't work like that. They say you vote and you have one name you put down on that, on that piece of paper. And that's so true for us as well. Like how does that one name look on our piece of paper when, when we have to say, which team am I playing for? God, in the spiritual world, am I on your team or am I on the enemy's team? Because there's no in-between team and there's no reserves and there's no audience. Ach, spectators, You're on, we're on either one of the teams. And that'll be exactly like this. That name you write down, God or, or Satan, that's, that's the only two options. That name you write down is a 100% name. There's no, these five areas of my life, yes. But please leave the... The, the, my finances, your Lord, you know where my finances go. Like, just, just leave that. I'll, I'll sort that out. That's me. Or I've given everything to you, but the way I, I treat my family, Lord, you know they disrespect me. Like, sure. uh -uh. I'm not, I'm not going to give my family over to you. Or yes, Lord, all these things which, which you've, throw, you've shown me through life and I was able to be a, a preacher at school and I led my own small group, but that sex before marriage, no, that's, that's something else, leave that for me now, but I'm going to sort out these things. Please help me to be a better small group leader because yeah, this is where you want me. You know, there's nothing like that. God says either 100% for me or against me. If you have to write the name down, there were wrote Nicole on that piece of paper. It'd be God or anything else, because the God doesn't care what that anything else is, that anything, that anything else refers to Satan automatically. Ephesians 6, now the good thing about Ephesians 6 is most people know it. I can probably say, I don't have to read much of it, people know more or less what goes on in Ephesians 6, but I also want 
to give us a, a different meaning of Ephesians 6, to relate to something which we don't often speak about right at the end of Ephesians 6, but I, I need to build us up into that. So let's read through it. Ephesians 6 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Straightforward. That's so cool. That's exactly what we've said the whole time. We don't fight against these physical things. Where the real battle is, where the real fight is, is spiritually. And if we don't take that up, if we don't say, I'm going to walk into, straight into this war, this spiritual war, if we don't take that up, it'll walk over us. That'll definitely happen. God, I'm either warring for you or against you. And that's exactly what it says here. So think of an example. Maybe you know someone, or maybe it's you. In my case, it's me. Where this person has said he wants to stop with this thing so many times. He wants to do that so many times. He wants to start this so many times. Or she says she's going to do whatever so many times. And, and for some reason, I feel like I failed. Just the whole time. I'm like, I, I've taught myself to do this. It's, it's straightforward. Just start doing this. But I can't. And that is because this is in the flesh. It's in the spirit. And my wife always says, like, she does, she's not good with conflict. Like, she, she would rather, like, stand back a little bit of conflict. I honor her for actually turning up because she knows she has to. But she says, I don't like conflict. But the truth is, when it comes to, when it comes to the spiritual world, there will be conflict. It's our decision whether we're going to fight on our knees or we're going to fight on our feet. But fights, there will be fights. And if I don't fight the fights on my knees, I'm going to fight the fight on my feet with my wife a little bit later. If I don't fight the fight on my knees tonight, I'm going to fight the fight with my boss tomorrow on my feet. And that's exactly what it is. It is there's no way stepping around which is spiritual warfare. It's either going to be a fight on your knees or a fight on your feet. It's just our decision whether we want to allow God to come in and say, God, here I'm on my knees and I pray against this thing and this will stop. I lay this down at your feet and I pray against the spirit of lust, the spirit of selfishness, the spirit of um, whatever it may be, um, the specific thing God has, has lured me or asked me to pray for recently is the specifically deception and for deception in, in our town and the people in this church to say, God, I, I, I declare war against the spirit of deception. People who think that it is you are leading them in a specific direction and it's not. Or people thinking they have salvation and they have not. Or people thinking that whatever the case may be and it is not. That spirit of deception, I declare war against it. Because if we don't declare war against it, the war is just declared against us. We're just the, the receiver of the, of the ammo then. Let's go through the rest of Ephesians 6. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. And this is the part where people know quite well. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm, uh, sorry, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. This is such a, a intangible but also understandable section. Like 
how does the, the breastplate of righteousness look like? I, I remember friends of mine at school saying every morning before they come to school, their mom makes them put on this breastplate of righteousness and, and the full armor of God. And, and for me, it was really funny. I was just imagining this guy putting their imaginary like boots and then climbing into it. And I thought it was super funny. But I, I, then I, I later realized the, the great intention his mother had. And he remembers it up until this day, exactly what it is. But what I want to come to is verse 16, which where it says, in addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. The big word there is all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So there's, a, there's this lie where we think, devil is going to, to, to run us over, whether we like it or not. Like, he's, he's caused war against us, we're going to suffer. Like, it's one of those bad things, unfortunate, I'm a human being, so the devil is coming for me, that sucks. With the shield of faith, we can extinguish all flaming arrows, every single one. And that's me, the, the light at the end of this, what has been up until this point, a, a glooming tunnel. Like, where, where do I find this light? And God says, with faith, I give you a shield to withstand all attacks from the enemy. Every single one, whether it comes via the work channels or family channels or friends channels or influences on your Netflix or YouTube, doesn't matter. Every single one of those influences can be distinguished or arrows can be distinguished by faith. Now that sounds beautiful, but how does that faith look? Let me give you a, a practical example. When we pray and we say, God, please help me tomorrow. That is a declaration of faith. We will not ask God to help us tomorrow if we were 100% convinced it's a waste of time. We declare our faith by asking God anything. I declare my faith when I say, God, please bless Joel. He's such a great servant. Please bless him. That's a declaration of faith because I trust God will bless him. 100%. Even a thankful prayer. Even if I say, God, thank you for helping me yesterday to do whatever I did. Or thank you for keeping me healthy. That's a, that's a declaration of faith, because if I don't think God helped me to be healthy yesterday, I will not thank him for it today. As simple as that. And the truth is, every time we pray, it's a declaration of faith. So this faith which he speaks about, and says, take up the shield of faith, which which you can distinguish all flaming arrows. There we immediately realize that this, this shield which we have comes from prayer, 100%. We say, God, thank you that you allowed us to pray. And I put out my faith by praying. And I say, God, this thing which I feel I can't break, this manipulative spirit which I feel is hanging over me, this addiction or whatever the case may be, or just bad self-control, which I can't break, I now in prayer say, I declare war against that. Because I don't want to war against it on my feet anymore. Because that, that's too difficult. That sucks. I lose every time. I'm now declaring war against that on my knees beside my bed. And I know that... With the shield of faith, all these flaming arrows can be extinguished. And that is just confirmed a little bit later in verse 18, at the end of verse 18, where he says, With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. I can't imagine myself something more comforting than knowing that my entire family or my entire friends group or my entire small group is having war against any spirit which is standing up against me. Can you imagine that? Uh, that's, that's quite cool. If you know that sure, there are people actually praying for me and saying, God, I will go to war on my knees for this person, for whatever the case may be, whatever there is that is 
that whatever the, however the arrows look, which is being cast at the near, or cast at whoever it may be. And therefore, it says, and, be, and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. What a great, what a, what, a reassure, what a reassurance that is. God, I will pray for your people. The people I see in front of me, from the left to the right, and everyone else say, God, I cast war against any spirit which tries to take up these people's lives, which tries to cast war against these people. And I truly believe, because you say that we can extinguish all flaming arrows, that this will be the success, that this will be a success, and this is the promise that you give us. So if we go back to that first little diagram of Revelation 12, Ephesians 6, and Matthew 12, what is the, what is the truth that we get out of the three? If we summarize that quickly, we, know, we learn from Revelation 12 that we are part of a spiritual warfare, despite of us choosing it to be part of it or not. Whether we like it or not, it's there. We can't ostrich it. If the storm comes, we just head in the sand, it was storm. Head in the sand and then suddenly it's not there. The storm will hit whether, we are, whether our heads are in the sand or not. Matthew 12, Matthew 12 teaches us that either the devil declares war against us or we are on his side of the wall. There's no other option. There are no spectators in the, in the war. There's no spectators in, in, this, in this game between God and, and I'm careful to use the word game um, because God has already won. In, in the war against, against Satan, there is no spectators. There's no one who can say, while you guys play and break each other's backs in the scrum, we're going to sit and watch. Or we're going to, to bring the, the oranges at half time. It doesn't work like that. You're on either side of the field. And luckily, there's a very just uh, referee at the end of the day. Ephesians 6 says, prayer is our strongest weapon to fight and defend with in this war. Whether we use it or not, no, that's our decision. And tonight, or this entire week, God has really called me into that place of prayer for many people. And I, and I, I prayed before the sermon for everyone who's coming tonight and declared war against any, any spirit which might come in here and say, tonight you don't have to listen, or tonight you are tired, tonight you don't have uh, the attention span to listen. Because that's not the truth. And that's also, that's also the spiritual place which we take up and say, I will declare war against this. Because when we have to war in our flesh against this, we're going to lose. And therefore, we say that, God, I pray for myself first, but I pray for everyone as well. And I declare war against every single arrow which, which, the, which the enemy can, can fire. And that is the truth. There is going to be a war. We can just decide where. Is that war going to be between me and the people around me? Or is the war going to be on my knees with God? Because either I wore it against the spirit, the bad spirits, or I wore it against my people, because then we allow the spirits to come in. And that, it's, that is the, the, the unfortunate truth is that it's a reality, and the fortunate truth is that God gave us the, the power of prayer. And he distinctly says in Ephesians 6, to extinguish all arrows. So if there was ever a lie told to you, or you ever believed the lie for some reason, like I did for, for a very long time, that, okay, some things in life, the enemy is just in control. Like, God is good here, 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 and here, but yo, that place in Hilbrown, eh? if you referee a game at Milo Park, just tickets. Yes. There God is not in control. Like the under 12 mothers, yes, let's rough. So I remember a lot of time thinking, yes, like God, this place, how can you, how can you be here? And God just says, I'm everywhere. 
I extinguish all arrows by your prayer. I quickly want to pray for us in that and, and invite you to, to really open your heart with God as well and say, God, there are arrows being fired at my heart continuously, at all of our hearts, and I'm really, really tired of taking all these hits. I'm really tired for taking all these flaming arrows right into my heart because I know that's not what you want for me, but why then do I keep on getting it? And God says, I want you to, to fight this war but not in the way you're doing now, not in trying to convince someone or trying to lure someone into something or out of something or trying to talk to someone. That's not how I want you to fight this war. You first fight this war on your knees for that person. And that is what I, what I want us to do tonight. So if you're comfortable and, and you have the health to do it as well, I want, to, I want to call you to go on your knees now tonight with me and say, let's pray for each other and let's pray for, for the people who we really love. Is that okay? Can we do that? Cool. Let's go on our knees. Lord, there is a war out there. We know that. We declare that we are aware of the war and we declare that we are part of it. We declare that you have called us to fight in this war and not go out alone and, and be fought in this war, but to, to come down on our knees, and that's what we're doing tonight, Lord. Lord, we're kneeling at your, at your, in your presence, Lord, and in your presence we are asking for you to, to come and to heal us, Lord, and, and to, to come and, and to prepare us, Lord. And We are asking you to, to come and give us the ammo necessary to be able to, to, be able to, to just... Run, Lord, run the, the race of life, Lord, with the necessary protection, Lord, that you give us as a shield, Lord. We say that in prayer, Lord, we know that you are the one who comes and protects us. You are the one who gives us not only the protection, but then again, the ammo, Lord, the ammo to win this war. Because this war is there whether we like it or not, but the, the way in which we fight it, Lord, that we know, that we know 100%, Lord, comes through. And tonight, we are reigniting our prayer lives, Lord. We are reigniting the best tool that has ever given to man to sort out our lives. Because it's then when we connect with you. Lord, we call you, Lord. And we ask you, we plead from you on our knees tonight, Lord, for every single person we love. For every single person who has taken shots in their lives. That you will go to his and her heart tonight. And we declare war against any demon who's oppressing. We declare war against any lie that that person has heard and is believing about themselves. We declare war, Lord, against any person who has been by the church, who has been told lies by the church, who has been felt, who has been feeling guilty about anything the church has done. And we say that's a that's a spirit of manipulation, Lord, and that's the way that enemy wants to keep our people from you, Lord. And we we rage war against that tonight, Lord. And I declare that no spirit of deception of unworthiness, of shame, of lust, of pride is, is welcome in this building, Lord. And we work against that, Lord. And Lord, we take up the commandments which you, which you tell us where you say, Therefore, by this they will know you are my disciples, by the way you love one another. I declare that we love one another and that's why we're praying tonight, Lord. We're praying on our knees for those around us, Lord. We're praying for ourselves as well, Lord. We, we're not here to be slung around like a dog grabs us behind, Lord. But we know that is what will happen if we don't declare war first. 
Lord, we declare war against any any principalities of the enemy. And we redeem the victory already, Lord, because you are more powerful. Just take a, a minute and chat to the person next to you. And if you're, if you're comfortable enough, tell that person, what, what is that thing in your heart where you know spiritually it's not like it? Spiritually is the, the thing that maybe you've opened the door. Maybe you've done things you shouldn't have done and that opened the spiritual door. Maybe there's a, there's a soul tie which needs to be broken or, or things you have done which you know does not carry God's blessing. Or maybe there's just something, you, you, can't, you can't put your finger on it necessarily, but, but you know, you know this thing is, is tying you down and you just can't get victory over it. God says that whatever is brought into the light loses his power. So therefore, I want to challenge you tonight. If you're comfortable with it, share that one thing, or maybe more than one thing with the person next to you. This is where I need victory over whatever spirit it may be. And even if you're not sure, even if you feel, maybe I'm going to be, I'm going to word it wrong. I don't know if this is deception or whatever, whatever. God knows. Just say to the person next to you, I want to be set free of this thing this last, this premarital sex, this finance being my um, afghot, my idol, my idol, this guilt, this greed, greed is something I lay down and say, God, I want to be set free of this once and for all. And tell the person next to you, and then you as the person next to you, then pray and say, God, I pray for this person to be set free from this forever. Not just tonight, forever. Because he wants us to be free.